This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Dominamos eh, el 80% del juego. We dominated 80% of the game. Este, defendimos bien. We defended well. Eh, si el gol se produce por una casualidad. Uh, the, the goal that they scored was um, uh, opportunism. Uh, el número 11 pateó al arco y se cayó. Uh, the number 11 had a shot at goal and he, and he slipped. Y, El, el Gazi venía de patear el, el corner. And El Gazi was coming from having um, struck the corner. Y encontró la, el balón. And he found the ball. El Gazi's gone into a decent position and scores. And the flag doesn't go up. And Villa have scored in the first five minutes here. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. As the listeners like to say, the Thinking Villains podcast. I'm David Michael, your host and editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to discuss how Villa managed to uh, take apart and beat the Yorkshire Top Knots, Mr. Dan Rogers, let's go with you first. Welcome back. Hello there. I, I needed to come on today to dispel all of the myths in full about the bullshit Bielsa bandwagon brigade. <laughs> This is I'm brought in especially for these moments. It's great to be here. Frankly, I can't I can't stand the tea slurping, cereal squatting, floor watching, champion runner up, and the bullshit that surrounds him. Oh, forget. Of course, he's so tactically astute he couldn't even outfox a four thousand year old Ahmed El Mahamadi. But anyway, on with the show. <laughs> what are you saying about Elmo? <laughs> Who I quite like. I like Elmo. <laughs> right, joining uh, Doctor Bielsa. Mr. Chris Bird, welcome back. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Not bad. Short to the point. No, no small talk from the Bird this week. No, nah, just getting the job done, like the Villa. <laughs> <laughs> no nonsense. And making up our quartet, Mr. Phil Shaw, lurking in the shadows. Welcome back. Oh, welcome. Hello. Hup, hup, hup. <laughs> <laughs> hey is, is it you say I always get interrupted because I'm in the shadows? I mean, do I need a torch or something just to, to light the way? Smoke signals. We've also got Dan <laughs> Rogers on to cock block Chris Budd to allow you to speak uh, this week. I am so, an expert uh, at such activities so that I will intervene <laughs> at all moments. Uh, if Chris does overstep the mark, I will slap the tip of it down and say, Phil, please proceed. <laughs> just like Bielsa's translator, that's his job. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. On with the show. <laughs> right, coming up in the show, of course, we will uh, dissect what happened to the Yorkshire Top Knots uh, when Villa came into town to make sure they weren't doubled by uh, Bielsa's leads. Uh, we'll go through the uh, Villa news as per usual, and then uh, three points, uh, various levels of uh, entertainment. I mean, that we could make them really funny, but we'd probably get uh, arrested and uh, sued. But uh, we'll keep on the straight and narrow. And at the end, overrated or underrated, takes in the young man that came uh, by way of Leeds, was it not, to our shores? Uh, it Mr. was. Fabian Delph, before he turned into a toxic snake. 
Right, from the top, let's go. Villa News, uh, injury update. There's more smokes and mirrors, really, from Mr. Smith. Uh, Cash seems to be uh, a little ahead of schedule, so uh, he may be back in a two or three weeks, would you say? End of the month, jobby there. Hopefully, yeah. Wesley, who knows? Who knows with Wesley? Uh, and, this year? Uh, yeah. Maybe. Will, will he be back before the fans come back? That's That was one of the questions in the Mad Few uh, podcast. Uh, and Mr. Grealish, who uh, I think Smith knew there was no way that uh, Bielsa would be fooled by if he made out that he might play against Leeds. Uh, so he had to come clean with that one, and now he started his game of cat and mouse. We shall see. Now, now that we don't need him, <laughs> they'll probably rest him <laughs> <Yeah>. until May. <laughs> Main man back soon. Bring him back just so he can get in the England squad at the end, a few games at the end of the season. Meanwhile, on the other side of the world, our friend, old old chum, Dr. Tony, uh, apparently he was in a detainment centre for the past six saw months. saw that coming? <laughs> be- be- yeah, but before they arrested him. So It's like, it's like, uh, it's like pre-assist, isn't it? It's pre-arrest. I mean, it's it's a testament to his character that he's actually had a pre-arrest. That it's, it's a bit like Minority Report, isn't it? It's like you will commit a crime, so we're going to arrest you now. <laughs> oh, actually, Stop. it turns out you've done all these things. Oh, you've oh, actually, you already you've already done a load of shit. So, uh, good job we detained you six months before we arrested you. It says here, sir, that you spent all this money on a Henry Lansbury, <laughs> and it turns out you've promised the people of Birmingham and Aston a theme park. Yes, can somebody translate these two words, Scott Hogan? Meanwhile, uh, Villa ladies, uh, although they, uh, the battle gallantly for the first hour or so and held Arsenal to nil-nil, uh, the floodgates uh, soon opened and ended up on the back of a 4-0 loss, although they stayed 10th, four points clear of the danger zone, which uh, danger zone is a.k.a. Bristol City. Is any Aluko the new Jesus Pitash, or is that too soon to say that? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean Phil Shaw's okay. favourite player favourite Aston Villa player <laughs> across all teams uh, Manaira Bushi yeah. he's actually quite nifty she's quite good I think yeah she's thinking what the fuck have I signed up for <laughs> the government uh, headed by Mr Boris Johnson came out with the uh, roadmap back from yes, uh, roadmap, the Covid yeah. pandemic uh, suggested that there may be uh, fans back on the last day of the season I mean this is something uh We'll believe it when we see it kind of territory. But uh, muted, uh, is it 25% or 10K? Yeah, yeah it's capped. Whatever's, it? whatever's the lowest. Yeah. Uh, which, if it does happen, uh, it will be uh, at Villa Park. We'll be staging uh, it against Chelsea. But uh, we'll see how that plays out. What do you think about that, Dan? Well, it's like the Christmas Day thing, isn't it? It's all well and good if everyone's fit, well vaccinated, and it can be done safely. Um, I think everyone wants to get anyone wants to go back to Villa Park. Everyone wants to enjoy football, but in a in a safe way. I hope it's not another over promise and something to be under delivered, or another eat out to help out. Yeah, yeah. Coincidentally, it's said Surrender's birthday, isn't he? he? Just wants a big uh, birthday bash. <laughs> well, he just wants to be popular. But let's not make it into a politics podcast. No, moving along. Yeah, stand down, bud. Stand down. Put the gun down. <laughs> I'm going to slap the tip of it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> You're in, Phil. <laughs> oh, Aston Villa players have been banned from using Fantasy Football League. I wonder why. Why do you think that is? But I think most, I think all Premier League players have, haven't they? Or I mean, if you're going to play it, use a pseudonym. Simple as that, really. Yeah, that whole debacle was just stupid, wasn't it? Well, uh, I mean, I, as I expressed, I'm, uh, you know, you would say, I'm, you know, can't believe how stupid they've been, but, you know, no level of uh, dumbness surprises me in the world of football <laughs> anymore. Footballers, it's just something else in the bag, isn't it? Now? Yeah. Right, on to the, uh, the three points. I did laugh when I saw the headline to this. Players have been urged. Who's doing the urging on this? Players have been urged to show their support by referees by clapping them onto the pitch. A new campaign called Give the Ref a Hand is being launched in grassroots football with the hope that it will be taken up by the professional game. Well, the professional game (laughs) at Premier League level gave the ref a hand by giving them VAR. (laughs) And uh, that kind of backfired. Yeah, and the hand broke. Yeah, well, it snapped off. So is is the suggestion... They need to sort the rules out. Yeah, and someone, uh, it might be yourself, Phil, I think you referred to it as, I thought it was a parody as well. And I can think of plenty of people wanting to give some gestures to the the refs, uh, but this is all their own doing. And 
I, I don't understand, as David said, that they've been given more tools than any of the officials in history have ever had, and they're still ballsing it up, even this weekend. And yeah. acting more arrogantly as a, as a collective than ever. Mm-hmm. It isn't mm-hmm. like they hold their hands up and go, oh, shit, sorry. The, the schoolmaster, David Ellery, who uh, is behind IFAB, who actually make the rules that are, uh, well, f- you know, between them and FIFA. That IFAB? Then, IFAB, yeah. Fuck, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> they were invited on this uh, Football Supporters Association uh, <laughs> meeting with PGMOL, with Mike Riley, but they uh, let's say Ellery didn't get back or wasn't interested. So uh, this is the problem here. You know, PGMOL are, are kind of, uh, they're regarding what's happening you know as an open book and everything's on the table but it's it's the people who make the rules that make things even more complicated mm. for the actual application of var but anyway well, let's move on let's not get although so- I, I don't know if uh, making the rules more awkward sort of compensates for a referee not knowing whether he blew the whistle once or twice <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean that that was just a farce D- didn't he suddenly have an injury uh mm. injury of the brain <laughs> yeah, he got dropped from the Sheffield United Liverpool game at short notice. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe he swallowed his whistle, so when he breathed, he should have... <laughs> <laughs> Point number two, expected goals used in match-fixing cases. Uh, as reported uh, by The Guardian, apparently 30 cases uh, at the moment. We don't know what leagues because they're very much live cases. Uh, are using packages of... Uh, let's say, statistical uh, football analysis to back up uh, suspicious betting patterns and, and intelligence. Uh, I don't know, you can use, uh, it's the same with any stats, you can use them to make up anything. As Jake Marsh said, head of global intelligence at Stats Perform, of course, expected goals isn't everything, but if the team has a lot of shots from a good position but fails to score, it could be a sign that something is wrong. Well, you know, what about Brighton? That's their speciality. Are they fixing every game? Sure, they're great. Not everybody loves Brighton. Potterball. What about Trezeguet's shots to goal ratio this season? Does that make or him prime Al-Ghazi. suspect? Is he on Interpol's hit list now? Well, didn't El Ghazi have like eight, eight or nine shots? Was it against Brighton or something? El Ghazi's had not the, three not the last four, time we played. Three or four seasons? No, no, no. Can't, can't criticise him this week. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, he went on to say, there is no silver bullet to prove that a match has definitely been fixed. It's not a text message, a bank transfer or proof of money to exchange hands. But what we can say is that data supports intelligence that suggests corrections. I say it's incredibly useful. Well, the the idea of uh, why there should be VAR is to, uh, if VAR's used properly, is to, uh, it's, it's another level to ho- hopefully prevent match fixing. Because all you got to do is slip a ref a few quid and get away with murder if there's no VAR. I want to know what matches those are. I mean, it, before it becomes news, you need to know what games they are. And, and this is, they're worldwide, aren't they? Wasn't there a strange 7-2 in the Premier League this season? No. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't there a goal line incident as well? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got to be a reason why Manchester United always get a penalty against Villa as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we, we move on. Conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> Point number three, and welcome to Architects Anonymous. News. Forest Green Timber Stadium. Oh, it, it it just sounds like it's a match made in heaven. Forest Green Rovers plan to build the world's first all-timber stadium, uh, and it's moved closer after plans were approved by the EFL for a new 5,000-seater Eco Park Stadium. But won't it burn down? I hear you cry. Phil, how are they stopping this burning down? They're not really trying to stop it burning down. They're making the planks red fire retardant and so big that um, you notice them on fire, so you have time to get out. So it's, it's, it's like a sacrificial planks of wood. <laughs> or, <laughs> Sounds safe, this. <laughs> well, they must think it's, it's easy, it's sustainable, so they can just rebuild it again for the next week's fixture if it burns down. Uh, well, I mean, the mm. thing about the, the, Bradford, <laughs> uh, the Bradford fire, which obviously comes to mind straight away when you mentioned timber stadiums, was the speed that that went mm. up. It was... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like a tinderbox. Didn't even give you time to run away from a fire, which is uh, pretty scary. No. I mean, it's a pretty flimsy structure. This one, it's all about the density of the wood and it's treated, isn't it? It's like laminated yeah. timber. Yeah. Which So it singes on the outside, but it actually retains its structural integrity, which was the, was the problem at Bradford. It was it burned straight through and the whole thing just disintegrated. But it looks really nice. It looks great. 
Um, and obviously the whole, with, you know, as with everything with um, Forest Green, you know, from their coffee bean kits and stuff, it's it's all about like lowering their carbon footprint. I'm sure it will have the lowest carbon footprint of any stadium in the world. Particularly because there'll be no fans in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they've, they've had kits made out of coffee beans and bamboo as well. Yeah. Wow. I mean, my argument would be, why go to all that trouble to get this stadium built out of wood and be so groundbreaking and then only make it hold 5,000 people? Yeah. Is that locally sourced bamboo? You would, you would <laughs> hope so, wouldn't you? <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, these things, uh, it's like Arsenal. Uh, I mean, when it comes to uh, carbon footprints, it's the big, big Premier League teams that uh, is, is a big problem. But I think Arsenal topped a recent eco chart and I think we mentioned yeah, this in the three good. points it's before. It's really stadiums, isn't it, basically? Arsenal mm. topped this chart, yet what the, uh, the researchers failed to realise is they gave away, uh, I think it was like 60,000 plastic bags <laughs> yes, before so a was game. It, wasn't it for the game, wasn't it? Was I think it was against yeah. Valencia, some European game. It's like a basically, TIFO, wasn't it? Yeah, basically to hold up as a TIFO. Yeah, and, yeah. and I tweeted this, and, and loads of uh, big eco uh, societies were retweeting my tweet, and they started to go in on Arsenal big time. It's hard to get, have a, to see a, lay, a level playing field at the moment. Actually, who is the most uh, eco-friendly uh, football team in terms of sustainability and you know carbon footprint, etc.? But I think Forest Green are, are definitely doing going be, above and beyond on that front. All right. Uh, before we go on, I just want to say, uh, as per usual, a massive thank you to the Mile Man Sam patrons for supporting the show. If you also want to join up and get access to an extra podcast channel with. Uh, Different exclusive monthly shows, and also I'll finally edit. Finally, my old Mandalorian said that's actually popping out in the uh, next couple of days. Most of all, uh, you also get access to Match Club, our match day uh, gathering. It's always fun, maximum fun guaranteed. Before the game, half time, and after the game. If you want to get involved, uh, do go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron link and find out more details there. Thank you very much. Right, leads match reaction. Right, last time uh, we met, still still scarred by that game, mm. where we were bamboozled. Interestingly, Villa and Leeds are two of the uh, three teams with the least amount of draws. So this game was either going to go one way or the other. Leeds were very much in form. Uh, I think they had the third best home record uh, of the last six home games, uh, four wins in the last six. Villa, not the away force they used to be with only one win in the last six aways. So Smith had to do something. I mean, more so uh, in terms of the recent games, even the games we won against the Saints, Arsenal, you could say we were lucky to get something from those. But then again, you know, if those games were last season, we would have probably lost them. So uh, there's a new inner resilience. But in games against Brighton, second half against Burnley, the Leicester games, it showed case that the midfield uh, had been plaguing Villa's progress. So they had to do a bit more. Obviously, the headline was no Grealish, and then you've got all this uh, one-man team stuff. I mean, what do, you, what do you think about that, just quickly, this narrative? It's just easy, isn't it, for the press to, to use that? It's all a bit lazy. Um, I mean, the stats can't sometimes back it up, but there's never any context to it. I mean, Jack, if you take Grealish out of any team, pretty much, bar Man City, they're probably going to struggle. Well, they're certainly they're certainly weaker. We've been struggling with him. Uh, last season, we struggled with him. I think we've rested him. <laughs> think we... Yeah. There was like articles like uh, that Mirror piece where it's saying, mm. uh, oh, you know, Villa need to uh, help Grealish and they need to buy high-profile, high-quality player like Sancho. Yeah, good one. Yeah, why don't we just buy Haaland when we're at it? Oh, yeah, good one, mate. Nice, nice one, Mr. Moxley. <laughs> That's a good idea. Like Even United can't even afford to uh, buy him. I mean, Villa, they kept Grealish because they said, right, we're building a team around you. But also, they did get quality in, like, top level. I mean, Ross Barkley, just because he's had a, a dip in form and he's coming back uh, off an injury, suddenly he's, certain sections of fans typically just throw players under the bus, you know, couple of bad weeks and suddenly you're useless. But Barkley was a, was a mark key signing that was like mm. above and beyond anything we'd expected last summer Watkins also they you know they could see what we've essentially got was probably the only striker who could play in this team and not get isolated mm. and you're sort of looking at a defense now that uh, is one of the best in the in the league I mean it's only behind Manchester City and Chelsea for goals shipped and that's what decimates the, the Villa one-man team myth doesn't it that that was what ultimately kept us in the division 
And yeah. I think that I think that when you look across the Leeds game, it, well, you know, there were spells where both teams showed showed bits and pieces, but it was ultimately about Villa's resolve and organisation at the back, wasn't it? That yeah, yeah, and that's and that's a collective thing. And the defensive uh, real organisation last season was why we stayed up. I mean, Grealish, by his own mm. admission, didn't really turn up in Project Restart. Yet the press narrative was his goal against West Ham saved us. Mm. Mm. And you know, a couple of minutes after that, there was a there was a West Ham shot that deflected off him into our net. So Grealish, by his own admission, didn't have a great project restart. And p- people just don't, you know, they don't even consider that the defence saved us there. The reorganisation saved us, and there's a reason why we've had 13 clean sheets now, and the reason why we've managed to win games where either you know the team, the opposition has marked Grealish out the the game or with our midfield's just not functioning i mean you know saints arsenal brighton how we managed to get a point there is a minor miracle and this you know the main thing that villa can hold their hand up and say is our strongest suit is our defense and our organization and that you know that's like uh, defensively uh, for the rest of the team as well going backwards to the back four and keeper but anyway so they had to do something to uh, stop lead so it's all about selection was you surprised or do you think that was uh, the logical thing i think we said on the last podcast we would play like two deep sitters I think we said Nakamba in, and I was—I think I said Nakamba alongside Louise to give Louise uh, some assistance. But Smith went for Nakamba with Ramsey. Really, all about energy and, and legs, wasn't it? Mm. Maybe he knew that uh, the the ploughed field that was going to be the Elland Road pitch, and Douglas Louise likes to spray the ball about a bit. So maybe he thought Ramsey's sort of high energy would compensate because there was there was no passes being sprayed about in that pitch. It was a disgrace. Yeah, which is a bit—I mean, it's a bit strange from Leeds' point of view to end up with a pitch like that because they're all about you know first touch fast pace uh, quick interplay and that pitch isn't going to help them at all no it was dreadful and and to be honest it did spoil the game i think it, there was a few occasions where the the ball was sticking so badly i think there was some there was some stuff wasn't there before the game where you could see that it was it was not moving well and players staying on their feet as well well how many times in the opening I think it was, as the game went on, you almost did, it became normal, didn't it, to see people falling all over the place and slipping. But it was, it, you know, for a team like Leeds who uh, <laughs> are marketed <laughs> on the basis of their free-flowing attacking style, it's a myth. Um, they, they couldn't do it, could they? And, and I think, if anything, we, we could absorb it because they couldn't do anything on that pitch, on the ground at least. Yeah, and as well as the uh, the changes to add Nakamba and Ramsey to add that energy in the midfield i mean the mm. main thing was was smith obviously saw the pitch and this is something you know he's uh let's say it's part of his dna is this playing out of the back but smith obviously saw the pitch and definitely he said right guys you know don't don't bother with that in this game because a you got the leads press to deal with which uh, on this pitch isn't gonna really going to help us you know the pitch itself makes it dangerous to play out the back You've got to uh, upset Leeds' momentum and rhythm. So if you're trying to play it out the back all the time and they're chasing you around, you're just keeping their kind of momentum going. And, uh, you know, Villa also, you know, alternated between the high press, you know, then went to a low block later on. And all you've got to do is look at the uh, the past completion figures of the Villa defence. Konza, 58%. Mm-hmm. Mings, 50%. Nakamba, 52%. Target, 46%. You know, people who are who are obsessed with stats will go, oh, you know, that's terrible. But no, that that just shows you what they were doing. They were just getting it out there. You haven't mentioned King Elmo. You've got to mention King Elmo. <laughs> what, 63%? 63%. But normally these, uh, <laughs> <laughs> normally these percentages are up in their 80s. And if you're having a you know yeah. an off an off game, you're around, you know in the seventies. This is just it's, it's like the facts that what Villa were doing here. They were just getting it out there, making sure they weren't wasn't any potential for any uh, errors. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was such a, a contrast from the game at Villa Park. I mean, it's it's like a boxing match. If there's a, a boxer that's got a knockout blow, you, you know you don't walk into that knockout blow. You just sort of circle them around the ring and 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 jab away at them. You know, there, there's different ways to play a game. You know, don't get involved in Leeds United shit which is just making that mess all yeah, there the, is a lot of shit yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like it's it's making that mess that chaos that we talked about over the pitch so just just rise above it it's like no we're going to send it out from the back up to our forwards that know how to play football and we'll do we'll play our football in your half thanks and we'll not mm. get into this congestion yeah. in the middle yeah if anything we'll bypass the chaos well, yep. you know, when, when you've got the ball, we'll be really rigid and it was a bank of four and a bank of five and there was nothing in between to play through. And then when we got the ball, especially in the first half, I think we showed a bit more quality. Second half, mm. it was very much play from back to front and we'll try and hit the channels and get Watkins 
who had to work bloody hard, I might add, yeah, yeah. to actually turn them round. But every you, you always thought whenever we got in the final third, we can make something happen here. Well, that's we looked, why my... we looked a lot better at set pieces. And you just thought for all the hype about Leeds with the ball this season, defensively, their stats speak for themselves. They're god-awful at the back. My, my reading of it was that, um, and again, to draw a contrast between what I perceived as Leeds' game plan and our game plan, especially as the game went on, was how, and it, and it is, it, <laughs> Phil mentioned it earlier in the season, it is chaos theory with Leeds sometimes that I'm, I'm not convinced that they have a, a structured plan other than to disrupt and try and break with some pace. And, and I thought that our tempo throughout the game was quite consistent. And, and you looked at players like, you know, Ramsey, very young, relatively inexperienced in the senior game, um, could find passes, could move quickly. Yeah. I, I, I looked at yeah. Traore on more than one occasion that despite some of the antics, some of the, some of the kicking, some of the rolling around. Traore always tried to find the ball, move the ball on the ground. We were trying to play a more technically advanced game for me, that we had a game plan. And as, as Chris yeah. was just alluding to, we were playing to it. And we and, and as Phil said before, we weren't getting drawn into these. I mean, there was a hilarious thing where, you know, <laughs> it looked like Watkins had, had snapped the Leeds player in half and, and basically bring he, he recovers miraculously. And you think, I'm glad that, that we're not watching an Aston Villa try to do that. And ultimately, that's why I think that we won the game, that we were the more disciplined cool, calm team. Ultimately, the fact that we got the early goal, I think probably changed the game very early on because I think if if we we had something to defend straight away, we didn't have to be gung ho. It was like right, mm. we've got we've got we've come here, we've come out the traps really quickly, which we did, didn't we? We pressed them really high to begin with for the first twenty minutes. Whereas, yeah, Smith said first 15, 20 minutes, yeah. you've mm-hmm. got to match them. Looked likely to score. Had a couple of other chances. It was kind of shoot on sight, wasn't it, for Algarzi? You know, he looked great. Really looked like his confidence had come back. But then it gave us something to defend. And you, you saw, and Dan mentioned it in Ramsey, with the ball. But Ramsey, McGinn and Nakamba, without the ball, you saw as soon as we surrendered possession, we snapped back into mm. our shape mm. so quickly every time. And that's just being really well drilled. It's refreshing to watch for a Villa team as well, and, and you don't look back over the <laughs> over the wasteland of recent years. But that, I mean, Ellen, we'll, we'll get onto it in a moment, I'm sure. But Ellen, Ellen Road is not a place where we would have gone and got a result traditionally. But it was the dis, it was the the organisation that, as, as you were just saying, that we we got the goal. We didn't. I didn't feel like we sat behind, and we did. We did have opportunities, and yeah, but we didn't chase it. Didn't we? We, let we them didn't have force the, ball. the game like we did against yeah. Leeds in the first one. Yeah, and and fine, and 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 I. I think that it's it's a it's as I've long said it's and we've long said sorry it's it's a very misleading thing to say where well, you've got sixty percent possession after the game. Bielsa described the game Leeds as having dominated the game. Seventy percent. It's disrespectful to Villa. Well, it's Not it's, 60, it's deluded 70. and I beg your pardon. Seventy percent. It's 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 deluded and you can have it's the classic. You can have seventy percent of the ball. Paul, Paul Lambert would command Villa with Villa would command that amount as I've said before. It's what it is what you do with it and sometimes you can judge the game with your eyes. You know, for all of Leeds's antics, I think that was that was their only route back into the game. Yeah, the fact that Villa had more shots on target tells you, you know, what was happening with that possession. They were playing in front of us. Yeah, exactly. you know, we were highly efficient, weren't we? Playing a low block later on and I felt I felt comfortable from about 60 minutes exactly. forward. It was like, but this is based on, uh, this isn't like a one-off thing. I mean, somebody said in Match Club, 1-0 to the Villa, as in that was at the final result, as in George Graham's Arsenal. Back in the day, if Arsenal scored, it was game, set and match, 1-0. That was the final result. 1-0 yep. to the Arsenal was, you know, was the chant the Arsenal fans used to sing. And, you know, you're looking very similar against Southampton, against Arsenal. Mm. And you're thinking, we can actually do this to teams now. If we score first, like early doors, we can block out the whole game. We've got 13 clean sheets to prove it. And this is the new Villa. It's not, you know, it's not fast attacking, free flowing, spearheaded by Grealish. It's uh, we will grind you to dust. Well, we, well, we said in the last <laughs> podcast, didn't we, that we, we we didn't know how much variety Villa had. I think at Ellen Road they showed actually they had a bit of variety in the way they can play. That we just kind of a bit like you know the sort of the old fashioned Italian teams used to do. Yeah, they'd they'd, they'd get their get their goal and they would just. You know, as much as Bielsa hated it, and Leeds were, you know, all their antics was just based, you know, built from frustration. We frustrated yeah. them, and we just we killed the game as a spectacle. Whereas Leeds are like they get they get lauded as the you know, the best team to watch in the league. Which, to be fair, Villa have been pretty box office for most of the season. But we just went and we spoiled it. It was brilliant. Yeah, we did we did the whole you know the whole attacking football, blowing teams away seven two. You know, we did that, and you know, 
We've done. We've been and done that, haven't we? Thought we'd just try something else. Just try something else for a change. Proven that point. Try the old George Graham one nil routine for yeah, a few well, I mean, weeks. Yeah, you don't run the same <laughs> gig twice, do you? You just look at uh, Man City. I mean, they they don't blow teams away anymore. This season, Man City win games by the odd goal. I mean, they're not going out there fives, sixes, and sevens. I mean, their City are going out. I mean, even you saw against West Ham, it's like City take the lead one nil. West Ham get an equalizer. City go, oh, we need to score another one then, and then just stop. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, talking about frustration, uh, nobody was more frustrated than the the hat-trick hero of Villa Park, Mr. Bamford. Prick. Who who started trying to, uh, let's say, win penalties at the end through desperation. He had a poor game. He got he got the he got the Southgate curse, didn't he? He was fucking dreadful. All Problem game. is when you when you're trying to win those penalties, when the broadcasters play it back in slow motion, it looks like a penalty. But Target doesn't run behind him and push him into the penalty spot, does he? No, but no player would no, do he's that. So on clearly purpose. playing for it. He's plays for it. He's a poor man's Robbie Savage, Bamford. <laughs> Give him credit. He knows what he's doing. And, you know, it's percentages. He'll get one. He got that one against Al Ghazi last time we played him in the championship when he feigned injury pretending that Al Ghazi had headbutted him. So it's worth doing. Sweet revenge for Al Ghazi, wasn't it? Obviously getting man of the match, the winning goal, and putting in a you know a really improved performance from the last few games. He looks you know, like he's got had a bit of confidence back. Yeah, I think man of the match is debatable because... Uh, I thought Nakamba was superb all game. You've, you know, you've got Mings mm. and Nakamba, I think, are up there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the thing about Nakamba is, uh, no, he, he's not trying to be all things to all men as far as a midfielder mm. goes. It's like, see ball, get ball give to other player it's simple enough i mean it, yeah. he's, before the you know they had him in there and last season we didn't know whether it was going to be him or louise playing there to try and yeah. start the attacks off now different teams require different players in that position so we'll have the option now that hits the nail on the head for me that with with the additions to the squad uh, last summer allowed us to have some variety where you're not going well this this is the midfield that you've got and that's in it's got to work every single week um nakamba was deployed for a role at Elm road and he did it really really well and I think in terms of variety, you've got that across the team as well. I mean, the two centre-halves, that that Konza and Mings are two quite different footballers, but they complement one another really, really well. And there was a couple of times even, you know, looking towards those moments where I I thought Target was really, really good at at, at fullback, but Mings has that pace and presence just to to shepherd as well. And I think it all linked really well. And Nakamba at times almost felt like an additional centre-half. Yeah, and Mings is the most vocal of all the players. I mm. mean, he's permanently organising, and you know, he's he's the proper captain. And from that res- respect, I mean, the Grealish captaincy is to lead by example. Well, mm. M- Mings does the actual on-field uh, captaincy. Yeah, I liked I liked term um, with Mings. You, you talked about the obviously Villa surrendering that sort of play from the back attitude. Well, I think what we've seen with Mings is he's he's always had a tendency in. in over over a period this season to play himself into trouble. It was always one touch too many. You saw it so many times that if there was danger, he just put it in the stand. Yeah, And you saw that a lot from Villa where they mm. were not afraid to just get rid, retreat, get the shape again. And that's a sign of a, a team that's kind of learnt the hard way. Because, I mean, people forget that the playing out of the back isn't something that comes instantly. You, you know, Pep going back to Barcelona, when, when he implemented it with Barcelona, they were making mistakes, giving away cheap goals. 
Oh, weekly. But the idea is you keep going and keep going. And once you've mastered it, then it trans- it's, you know, transforms the whole team. And you've got the personnel to do it. So there's certain games where you know it's not going to pay off, and this was one of them. Perhaps Brighton was another. Looking ahead, uh, one question, obviously Grealish wasn't playing, but you're thinking, do Villa carry enough of a threat without Grealish or Barkley? Or in terms of, like, for example, if you played Brighton again, you thought, right, we're going to put Disruptor in, we're going to put Nakamba in. I think Grealish out on the left is fine, but I I would probably go Nakamba for Barkley because I think Grealish gives you... uh, so much on the counter. Barkley, I think you need to be controlling the game to uh, to see the best of him. You need a lot of the ball, don't you? Yeah. Because that's what he wants to do. We said, we said last week, you know, he wants to control, he wants to put his foot on the ball and dictate the tempo and the, the shape and your the, the point of attack as well. You know, you, we've seen that when him and Jack scheme or he gets involved with Watkins or just plays around the penalty area. And it's about spreading our threat as well. That we've yeah. got enough players now where you, where it, it's not about having having another Jack Grealish in the team. It's about being threatening across the pitch when he's the, when he's there and when he isn't. And I think that Traore for me represents a potentially very special player. As I said before, uh, I think I think on his day, Barkley certainly does. I mean, he's a you know, a, 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 I mean, as we've seen, a very very devastating attacking midfielder when he's when his head's in the right place. And not forgetting as well, you've got Sanson who can you know has played at Champions League level and has, and has I think certainly got something to prove and something that once hopefully hopefully he's he's uh, integrated into the squad. You, you've got a, a rotation of players that I mean I'm going to finish on saying Al Ghazi where what you what you hope is that you can get consistent high high quality performance out of players so that when they need to step up they can actually produce and deliver because for I mean Al Ghazi scored a really important quite difficult goal from you know sh- you know landed at his feet great he touch a, wasn't it great he had a lot touch, to do. Finish. And but what we can't see, what sticks in the back of my mind is those, you know, it juxtaposes against that performance where I think he was substituted at half time recently. And you think, which Al Ghazi are we going to get? You know, yeah. we, we need high quality, consistent performers. I want him to be that, what we saw yesterday. I want him to be that player that we saw score that outrageous goal at the Hawthorns the season before last. So if you're playing a team that you would expect to dominate and, and Grealish isn't available, who who do you play against Sheffield United, for example? I'm thinking more from uh, the Ramsey-Nakamba situation. I would be reluctant to change it too much because Sheffield United, even though they're bottom of the league and struggling, they're high energy again in the middle. So you want disruption again. And you and again keep El Ghazi there to have the shots because that Sheffield United keeper Ramsdale he flaps it quite a lot there so shots could, could come off his knee off his elbow something and just come out the walking so it's just pepper him with shots and see so you saying same formation I, same I team was, I'd stick with the same team yeah I, th- I think I think I think they've put in a performance of a high enough quality that they've deserved to start the game and if you need to change things you know you've got options to do so right all right that is all on the leads comfortable routine win. <laughs> <laughs> enjoyable I'm just adding that just to wind up any Leeds listeners uh, who are still who are still whinging by the way well I mean I, I didn't have any problem with Leeds uh, you don't know these modern oh, I day I do. these modern <laughs> day social media rivalries i.e. Newcastle Leeds uh, Wolves Wolves yeah they they mean nothing to us <laughs> do you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just say I think that their their style of play is so popular because anyone sitting on their sofa at home thinks that they could actually join in and play it all they need to do is learn how to run <laughs> headlessly <laughs> you need to be able to run in thick mud though right anyway or, let's, or on ice let's end this show with uh, a little underrated or overrated This is a bit of a marquee overrated or underrated subject, uh, I would say. Mr. Fabian Delph, or Fabian Delph. How do you pronounce it? Twat. <laughs> <laughs> Come Turn on, let's... Turncoat bastard. Jesus Christ, it's low... I used to call him Fabian. Low-frequency low <laughs> podcast, I don't know. The filth on it. Why did Villa sign him? This is poaching talent from Leeds, was it not? Well, Leeds had just got promoted, hadn't they? They'd kind of they'd spent the season before in League One, and Delford had a sort of a, a bit of a breakthrough season at that level. We'd obviously just got rid of, well, not got rid of, obviously Gareth Barry had left, mm. so we were in the sort of market for a slightly more competitive midfield. I don't, I don't think O'Neill thought he was going to be a replacement, no. but it was looking for midfield reinforcements. He was left-footed as well, wasn't he? So yeah, well, O'Neill. This is the same O'Neill that got Rio Coca, who was a box-to-box competitive central midfield. So probably <laughs> looking to make him a left back. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. Rio Coker a right back. 
Yeah. So they brought him in, I think, as a as a prospect to grow. You know, wasn't that not, cheap though? Was it six about six million quid? Wasn't it yeah. plus extras over time? Which at the time for uh, a, a young upstart, player. yeah, he was yeah. very raw. I remember that. You're not wrong. <laughs> O'Neill threw him straight in. It was playing pre-season, was it? He played against Fiorentina, and his first touch, well, not even a touch, his first action was to nearly snap their player in half. The whole ground just went, ooh, fucking hell, he's rash. Because I remember his first interview for Villa, where uh, they said, what are you looking forward to? You know, Because they were doing, oh, you know, you come into a big club and all oh, the Premier League, and he, he was, you know, wasn't feeding those lines he was just saying I'm looking forward to uh, kicking Gerard and Rooney <laughs> fair enough that, that went well didn't it for the first few seasons he won me over with that uh, with that sentence because uh, you thought oh we're getting a proper he's got a proper northern attitude and uh, that's what we kind of need a bit of steel in there but I think the initial games I just thought he, was, he looks a bit lightweight and uh, needed mm. probably to uh, bulk up a little bit yeah he was a bit underdeveloped and yeah, because he, he was never like rapidly quick either, was he? So he just lacked that dynamism to play in the middle of the park. Which if, if you were putting him in to replace Barry, Barry was stocky. Well, Even when he came in as a however <laughs> old he was, eighteen year old. I think that lack of pace hurt him when whenever he had a loose touch or anything, he had the propensity to lunge yeah, after God. the ball and he'd often overrun the ball or you know, he was technically very good and always very promising. I mean he, he had a couple of bad injuries, didn't he? A couple yeah, of bad that's, knees. I mean yeah, this is the thing that, yeah, that, that really stagnated his career because it took him uh, let's say double the amount of seasons to get where mm. Villa really needed him to be. Well, mm. he'd gone out to loan, gone on out on loan, hadn't he? Back to Leeds for a very brief period. I think he lasted maybe a game or two, and then got injured again. So he'd had sort of a couple of bad injuries, and then and then went out to Leeds, and then came back with another injury. This was about January 2012. So he'd already been at Villa, you know, um, probably two or three seasons at this point. Went out to Leeds in the January of that season, and was out for the rest of the season after a couple of games. So he came straight back to Villa and we didn't um, let him go back out, obviously, when he when he got his fitness back. It took him until sort of the 13-14 season, which would have been under um, Lambert, to kind of really establish himself. Yeah, 2010, he got a, a, a serious knee injury that kept him out for, uh, I think it was about he eight He did his months. knee ligaments, didn't he? It was a, um ACL, I think, or something. Yeah, so there's there's pretty much there's a season. So you're there, you're thinking, oh shit, we've done the you know the, the trick where you just spend all this money on a player, and then suddenly you've lost a season, uh, aka of the Wesley injury. Mm. So that was a year of development, especially for, you know for a young player as well, where you want to uh, not only develop him as a player, but develop him into uh, an Aston Villa player. And fans were already uh, writing him off. But I, you know, I saw enough in him to think we well, just got to be patient here. You know, if, if he's injured, he's injured. But this is going to be have to be a long one for the long term. The, the reason Villa needed him to be up to speed because Lambert's team was lacking, uh, let's say, quality midfielders. I mean, you had Ashley Westwood. Silla was drafted in. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Carlos Sanchez. Bakuna. So we really needed uh, Delph to be the man we wanted him to, to be. And then he suddenly started to, uh, let's say, escape injuries. And uh, he, he was mm. a bit of an enforcer. And he started to uh, he blossomed, be- didn't he? become the man, especially when you know, Benteke came to town. Then it was the next level. And what he needed to add, he needed to be a match winner. If he wanted to be a box-to-box midfielder, he needed to add goals to his game as well. And we he pretty much started to see that in the season before he fucked off. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> well, it was the, it was the two seasons, wasn't it? it was th- yeah, it was thirteen, fourteen, and fourteen, fifteen. And obviously, I think the obviously I know the famous goal at Southampton, and when he became captain, absolutely giving him the captaincy was probably the best thing they did, wasn't it? Because he actually really rose to the challenge. Yeah, I mean, he captained us against Liverpool in the uh, the semi final. Semi final, yeah. And uh, scored in that, did he not? Mm, scored yeah. the scored the winner. Yeah. So this is what you needed from him, and you know the, that goal against Chelsea as well. The old flick. yeah, the amazing flick. That was the season before, wasn't it? And yeah, that's was- when he that's when, you know, he had the wind in his sails there and, and you thought, right, we've got the Delph that we wanted, he got into the England squad. Mm. And uh finally, I mean it took him uh, as I said, probably twice the amount of seasons than we were hoping for. We suddenly had the player and then Tom Fox dark contractual magic. We talked quite a bit. There was never no pressure put on me, but looking forward uh, to the future basically and things that Tom put put to me. I felt really comfortable with. Obviously, I've been at the club a long time and I've got a lot of love for this club. I have a great relationship with the chairman, like I've always said. And uh, I felt like, I feel like this is my club and I feel like I want to be here. Obviously, I'm 25, I was on a free in the summer, but 
it never really played a big, big, big part in my mind what I wanted to do. I, I know what I want to achieve, and uh, the ambitions that I have, I feel like we can, we can do, we can do that here. It wouldn't have sat right with me to, to leave the club, especially on a free after the faith that everybody surrounding the club and involved in the club has shown in me. I mean, it might sound strange to you, but for me, that's just the way I am, and I'm here for for the future. He he was publicly saying he was staying, he was staying, he was staying, and then in the, the infamous was it the FA Cup game against Bournemouth when they announced on the screen, they did a hard time, didn't they? It was a little video, wasn't there? I'm staying, blah blah blah, new contract. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it shows what kind of person I am. Oh, okay. That was the same game where, the game where they tried to distract us with Carlos Hill's debut as well. Where he looked like he looked like we'd bought Pele. They played that <laughs> at half for an time for, for about half an hour. Yeah, for half an hour. And they played the video, and we were like, "Oh, cracking! We've uh, we're gonna we're gonna conquer the world again. We're back. Thank you, Tom Fox. The man's clearly a genius. We we'll go far." And then within about how many hours? <laughs> yeah, and then. Uh... Fast forward five minutes later, yeah. eight, eight million pound transfer to Manchester City. I mean, literally, must have left the signing of the contract, and then he's photographed entering Man City's training ground. Is I mean, this, if memory serves me right, and you think, no, surely not, surely not. We would not have gone to that huge ugh, only Villa. Then they were trying to spin it, and some Villa supporters were spinning it. Well, at least we got eight million. You know, it was a good move by yeah. Fox, and oh. yeah, for your for your best player. Yeah, well good done, one. well done. No, but it was the thing was, it's, like, it's a good move, but don't fucking take the piss with that halftime announcement and video and all that shit. Does that just because there's certain fans like you know ourselves here who are a bit cynical and we can see through that kind of shit. <laughs> a bit and cynical, we, and we go, that's bullshit. But there's a lot of fans who would have looked at that and thought, he's staying. Oh my god, fantastic! Well, I'm then he shirt. He stayed, hadn't he? Just before he left as well, he had two. He had the the, the, yeah. the announcement at the ground. Then in the summer after the you know, the mm-hmm. FA Cup run and the oh, which yeah. he was brilliant in, and then he then he was got to sort of. July and said, "I'm going to stay." I'm, you know, I think he'd he'd had he'd made it open that he'd had talks with Man City. Yeah, then said, right. "I think I want to stay." Just to rub and it then, in, and then and then um, <laughs> this is my club, new cap, yeah, launch, yeah. That, that was that was when he said, oh, "You know, I hope this sort of says a lot about the kind of person I am," and that's what pissed the fans off. Yeah, I mean, he was going to go, a, just go, such a coward that clearly he was. I mean, he was obviously going at the point at which he came out with that. I don't but know. To stand I mean, there I don't... and go through the video, he must have known, <laughs> David. He must have known. No, I, I, I think <laughs> this is my club. I'm never going. Oh, hang on, what's all that money over there? Oh yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Villa bastards. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> I'm thinking that Villa gave him that put of the pay rise. Look, can you just sign this so we can get eight million from Manchester City? Can you just kiss this badge? The thing here is here is that fucking uh, minimum fee. How can you you've got a player that's just got into the England squad and you've set a minimum fee of eight million. Now, was that known at the time? I think that was known later yeah, on that that popped out. Hmm. It was known because, after, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because who sets eight million pound? Because any fucking club will go. We'll have some of that Dell for eight million for a Premier League captain. Yeah, he's just got in the England squad. Even double that was undervalue at the time. I would like to see a HBO documentary on on that clause. You know the discussions that led up to the eight million. But that's exactly the clause that led sort of led Delph to not realise that he was going to Man City to be bench filler because I mean if Delph had been worth 16 million Man City wouldn't have touched him because he wasn't Mm. at that level Mm. well they could have made it 10 million and got 10 million it's like (laughs) it's like it's the easiest 2 million extra you could ever make yeah, Man City probably arrived at the negotiations without a spare change, didn't they? Really surprised they didn't have to go to the cash machine to yeah, draw any thought, Yeah, well, yeah, we'll go up to fifteen for Dallas. Like, Eight, what? brilliant. Uh, okay, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oof. Are you sure? Ooh, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Because <laughs> if you're going to play that game, why set it that low? Because it's that's way below market value. So you could have easily played it at, at twelve, and it'd still be cheap. But that's only say that's basically saying you can leave. Only Villa. <laughs> Only Villa at that point. I mean, yeah. when Man City was spending billions of dollars, only Villa would have gone, oh, do you think they'll take it? I think they'll go for eight million. Oh, that's a lot of money. Ooh. You know, we could have rich, literally written a blank check. Listener, if you know any reason why it was only eight million, and that is a logical eight million, then uh, let us know. Bearing in mind the deals we we did for like Benteke that summer to Liverpool, and mm. even more so, the yeah. outrageous deal we did with Liverpool for Downing a couple of years before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, it was it's, very dubious. It's staggeringly shocking business, isn't it? Awful. So I was happy when uh, somebody contacted me and uh, said, "What company was it?" 
some beer company, I think, maybe Heineken or something, saying we're, we're going to do a shirt amnesty. So if you bring your old shirt, this is at the start of the next uh, season, if you bring your old shirt down, we will replace it with a new shirt. And I thought, oh, this is, actually, this is for a... Uh, for a promotion, this is actually good because the fans actually get something, you know, big time. They basically get a new shirt and save themselves 50, 60 quid, whatever. So it was just basically a queue of Villa fans with shirts with Delph on the back of them, <laughs> taking <laughs> them in to trade them in, apart from the guy who burnt his uh, Delph shirt. <laughs> Tim Sherwood. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I mean where does the blame I think the the club handled that terribly if I was the player they all did all parties did if I was the player I'd be pissed off with the club anyway the way it uh, played out uh, Delph you know in the middle of uh, a shitstorm really let's say it's not like Grealish where uh, he's on a good better wicket isn't he in terms of wanting to decide to stay because it is a it's I mean it's his it's his club yeah. but also uh, you know the owners the ambition we were we we're very much from this point or when Grealish signed his new contract in the summer we're only moving one way aren't we Delph when he he was staying it was he he pretty much had to stay problem is uh, Benteke was shipping out as well wasn't mm-hmm. he they all went. It was a mass exodus, mm-hmm. wasn't it? And Vlar went as well. If I was him, I would I would have left as well, I think. Just if you're looking around, that FA Cup run glossed over. It brought us some momentum to keep us up, but it well, wasn't a wasn't a, a team yeah. managed well at the top. Well, with the benefit of hindsight, I bet, and, and again, at the time, I think that we all looked at Delph and we, we, we knew that there was a good player in him. I, I think the Man City move was a, too big a move for him. I don't think he was at the quality that they were looking to, to transcend to. And I think that that played out one you know, as it did because of the injuries he got, but also the level that they were going for. Delph was never at that level. It was almost Looking, like stockpiling players. Wasn't yeah, it? they were. They had a long period of that. I mean, and we benefited it from some. I mean, we briefly had players like Sinclair and others who had just sort of been sat doing nothing at, at teams like Man City. But Stephen Island. Stephen, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> player of the season, one season. Can, yeah, can you? I remind you. Yeah, can you define how benefited it again? Well, we had eleven players to put out. We so. did. <laughs> We didn't have to forfeit any games. What is he doing now? Not a fat lot. He's a bench filler at Everton whenever he's fit. The thing about players like Delph is that it's a, it's a real modern it's a real modernism, isn't it? That players go on this development curve, and his was quite stunted and protracted, as we said with Villa. He got to a level where you thought there's potentially a player in there, and then he got a move that was perhaps too big for him or wasn't the right move, and his career ended really at that point, didn't it? Apart from all I mean, the silverware that he won. <laughs> but he yeah, was but he never didn't. involved, was he? He was never, exactly. It's, it's these pretend we medals, isn't it? It's <laughs> pretend yeah, he, medals. Chocolate medals. He had to play the last three or four games of the season just to get the medal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, 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 know, I could never work it out with Delph. Was he a very, very good player that City saw as a player who could develop there and become a top player? Or was he just a good player who had a purple patch? Because I, mm. I always sort of see his time at Villa as he was a bloody average player to begin with. He got very good towards the end. Scored some memorable he, goals. Some great goals. Mm. And, he, and he had become a good player. Mm. But you look at the calibre that Man City were buying. Now, this was a team that had, you know, Yaya and David Silva. You could go on for hours. And you thought, well, surely he knows he's not going there to be the main man. He's going there because he thinks, well, this move might never... Ha- if I stay at Vidra another season, this move might not ever happen. Is it in the same vein as Benteke? The- yes, completely the same as Benteke. He will argue back at us, well, I'm with Everton and they're above Aston Villa in the table. And, uh, you know, if we get into Europe, at least I can get one of those chocolate European medals. Uh- <laughs> 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 a nice bit of Belgian chocolate. Yeah, I get to be a training dummy for James Rodriguez's free kicks. Yeah. Great. That's the thing with Delph, wasn't it? He, he went from being the main man and the captain... And the big fish in a small pond to being the very smallest fish at Man, <laughs> at Man City. He's <laughs> a fucking tadpole. An amoeba. Yeah. Nemo. <laughs> the very smallest snake fish. Yeah. <laughs> Eel. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't in. know what the Manchester City view on is. I'm sure they're pretty neutral. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, who? He didn't, let us da- he didn't let us down, but he didn't do anything. Fucking who? Being a bit harsh on old Delphi here. And he kept getting injured at Man City, didn't he, again? He just, we. I think Villa were lucky that we probably got the two best years of his career. He means nothing to me. Well, apart from when he played uh, for Leeds and played 42 games in League One, the only ever time he played 30 games plus was uh, at Aston Villa 2013-14 season. 
Yeah, that was one the only, only time, and he never he has never played since he left Villa. Best seasons for Villa: thirty-four games, twenty-eight games, twenty-four games. Since then, never matched any of those. The most he's ever played for Manchester City was twenty-two games, and then he's never he's never got over twenty for any other team since. Speaks, apart, for, speaks for itself. Yeah, since Villa, only managed over twenty league games once in like seven seasons. Wow! So his appearance to earnings ratio is excellent. Yeah, no, it's I'm in the wrong yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. Well done, Fabian. I will. Yeah, I'll always remember with him as my parting gift. I know we don't like to talk about it, but I remember it being referred to as one of the worst midfield performances ever. Was his performance at Valley Parade in that semi-final with Barry Bannon in the middle of the park Oof. against Bradford? Oh, the game we oh. we, we swore an oath yeah, never to mention. Good lord. Oh. Oh, that oh. was the night the Villa fans wrote him off. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Thanks for that, Chris. Thank you. Sorry. Knife back in the heart. I'm uh, turning into dust as we speak. Like Delph. <laughs> anyway, let's get to the verdict. We, 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 can't, we can't slap him about anymore. He's earned a lot of money. He's well, living get life. injured, wouldn't he, if we do it too hard? He's got a sense of humour. He's all right. Overrated or underrated in his time at Aston Villa? Overrated. He was overrated for me. Chris Bird. Yeah, I'm going to go overrated. <laughs> brain processing, brain processing data. <laughs> oh, sorry, what did you say? <laughs> I can't believe how much thought you gave that, Chris. Yeah, that was serious. That, that was. was like, should we, should we go what to the moon? What was going through your should mind in that moon? last minute? <laughs> I was thinking improvement, improvement. And I was thinking, and I just thought, eight million. What did we buy him for? I was trying to do the maths. <laughs> we only made two million profit on him. Fuck off. David could well, have played a record in between that question and your answer. Could have played one of my ones. <laughs> I was just thinking, uh, I think he only scored three league goals in six seasons. He was a competent midfielder in an awful team. Yeah, he stood out. He was. He yeah, stood yeah, out because yeah, yeah. the rest of our team were crap. He couldn't, he couldn't get near that midfield with, you know, Barry Milner, Downing, etc. The only thing I, I can say is he's given me one of my favourite singular moments as a Villa fan, and that was that winner against Liverpool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at Wembley to start our hundred percent record against Liverpool at <laughs> Wembley. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's that's in his prose uh, column, and he did like playing against the Baggies as well, didn't he? To be fair, it was dangerous. My armband got nicked. Uh, someone tried to take my boot off my feet. People tried to kiss me and they were biting me. It was, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, that cup run was pretty good. It was just the final. That, mm. He didn't turn up in the final, so overrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could have made that a very short overrated and underrated, just saying we got him from Leeds overrated. <laughs> Interestingly, he's played uh, more games for Villa, league games, than he did for Manchester City and Leeds put together. Right, anyway, let's uh, let's get out of here. We are. Are we on a? We'll ask the Dan Rogers. Are we on a run for European glory now? He who prophesied a fifteen-game losing yeah, have streak. Have we turned the corner? We have a great chance, but we've got to go through some very tricky games if we're going to do it. And that's the measure of teams that get into Europe. Hundred percent. I I would say uh, we've got to, the next fixtures are there potentially to pick up points, and if you don't get them, then it's going to get a bit sticky uh, end of season because we've got some tough ones. Mm-hmm. Big one for me is two games against Spurs, two games against Everton. Those will yeah. be the key. Well, the flag has to go in the ground for the next two games. I think Sheffield United Wolves. I, I think so. And just to wrap it up for me, that you're into this point, you're rightly pointing towards the fixtures, at the end of the season. It, it won't be those that you look at if you don't make Europe. You'll be going. We lost to Burnley twice. Yeah. And those sorts yeah. of games. And one point from six. Was it? Was it? It was two from twelve See, against. See, I brought you Burnley all back round to the dark side mm. now. Oh, <laughs> Fifteen game losing one. It's coming. <laughs> Dan's already made the T-shirts. <laughs> have we have we got fifteen games left? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Right. Anyway, let's uh, let's call it a day. Thank you very much, Mister Delph, for enduring that uh, barrage. Right. Don't forget to uh, subscribe. Drop us a review. Uh, not not like the one that uh, username Leeds Villa dropped, where he described the host. I think that's me as uh, bored of it all. Sounds like he's bored of it. Not, not a bad podcast, but the host sounds like he's just bored of it all. I can just confirm he is. He is, yeah, <laughs> completely. No need to put it in a review, though. That's between me and you, Leeds Filler. It's, it's one of those, again, where uh, where they hint at liking the show, but would never review it if it was just for pure like, but they, they just want to review, review it just to get something off the chest. But, yeah, keep that between me and you, Leeds Filler. I am bored of it all. <laughs>
until Europe. Then I get excited again. Right, uh, until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Good- goodbye. Goodbye. Where was the cock block block when I needed it? I'm just bored of it all. Can't even do a fucking outro. (laughs) Five years of this shit. (laughs) And then. I got the email from Manscaped. I'm going to reply tomorrow, see what they're offering. We can give you loads of products to shave your balls. What do they do with all the hair? That's what I want to know. Could they you make, ask that wig, question? make wigs for Fabian <laughs> Delf. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think Ashley Young's got hair now? <laughs> it all goes towards Fellaini, doesn't it? They just pile it on. You too can have nuts like Fabian Delf's head. Want <laughs> <laughs> to... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.